This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia and welcome to Running Together. I have noticed there are a lot of running-related podcasts out there. They span the whole range of running-related activities, track, trail, sprints, to ultras. There are plenty on training and injury prevention. Some are focused on the elite of the sport. I guess Running Together dips its toes into all of that, but its central focus is that we run with others, for others, because of others. Most of my running life, I have thought that it's a solitary activity, about as individual as it can get. However, my appreciation is that there is so much more of a community around running, whether subtle or obvious. A person who knows this better than most is my guest today. She helps people run, not as a coach or a physio, but as a run director, as a motivator. She has a compelling story to tell, so let's get to know this inspirational person better. Maria Amos, welcome to Running Together. Thank you, Pete. How did snowboarding change your running life? Well, at first it ended it. Mm. Um, yeah, just I could not run. If I did, it would be at least a week of recovery for just four or five wow. kilometres. So, it, yeah, it essentially ended it. So you didn't have a broken leg or something like no, that? No, I hit my head and oh, was wow. knocked out, so concussion, and broken ribs. And I, so I didn't notice the concussion till the ribs had stopped hurting, basically. Yeah. And I didn't realise how bad it was until I was driving down the road and was seeing double of everything. So I had severe double vision. Yeah, it wasn't a bad fall that I had. But it was cum cumulative concussion, so I've had a lot of concussions from a teenager right through to when that happened. Was so, that mostly snowboarding? Or? Uh, a few snowboarding, some from yeah. soccer, jet skiing, wakeboarding. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all sorts of random things yeah. that yeah, have knocked me out in the past, and it's just a build-up, and it was that last one was, yeah, you're done. Like I've had to give up snowboarding, touch rugby, soccer, anything that has potential for a contact, even yeah. mountain biking, which I loved downhill, but that's just too dangerous. If I take another knock to the head, who knows what could happen? So I just have yeah. to be, you know, I've had to change everything that Absolutely. Yeah, I love doing, but, you know, it's okay. So is it about the distance, for example, would it affect you if it was like, I don't know, only 500 metres or a K um, or is it is it something like, you know, you need to be doing like a 10K or a half Initially marathon? it was. Yeah. So we're coming up six years since I knocked myself on the head and those sort of first four years, yeah, running was just an absolute no because just the bouncing as well, like yeah. the motion was enough just to wob wobble my brain mm -hmm. and that left. You know, I have chronic fatigue because of it as well. So then I'd be exhausted, but also my head would be pounding, my neck would be aching, my vision would be impaired. 
but a couple of years ago I started seeing the staff at NZBMA, so mm-hmm. Body Mechanics, yeah. and I 100% credit their weekly treatments for getting me back to be able to run again. Obviously, the so, longer I run, the longer my recovery is now. But at least, you know, I can go out and do 5Ks and I'm not in bed the next day. So, oh, wow. yeah. That is an improvement. Yeah. So a big shout out to? Uh, Dawn at NZBMA. Dawn at NZBMA. Yeah. You've, <laughs> you've got a fan here. <laughs> you've helped um, improve a life, haven't yeah, you? Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned briefly as far as a pretty active life. Mm. Pre, maybe 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. So can you take me back to what life was like pre-snowboarding accident? Yeah, so, well, that year I'd made the decision to enter my first marathon. So I was training for a marathon, which was going to be in the Cook Islands. Yeah, and I was at the gym every morning before work. I was working a full-time job as well as running my own business on the side. It was just like a hobby at that point. So yeah, gym every morning, running every lunchtime, sometimes running again at night. I was playing touch rugby, mountain biking, and snowboarding. So that was probably how... (laughs) That was probably the busy part. I mean, then there was other things chucked in randomly, but that was... You were a seriously active person. Yeah. Goodness me. (laughs) That was the bulk of my life at that point, so... You'd been playing touch rugby as well. and Way back into childhood now. Not way back, sorry. You're not that old. (laughs) A lot lot younger than me. What was childhood like? Was it a very active childhood? Was it one of those things where once you became sort of an adult that you thought, right, I'm going to try all these different (laughs) things? So I grew up on Great Barrier Island. So You lucky duck. (laughs) Yeah. So... Like school sports weren't really a thing because it was such a small community, but cross country was. And so I have run since I was a child. And then obviously, you know, we didn't have power. Like we had generator power, so we weren't watching TV. So we'd be off in the bush or out fishing or kayaking. or So we didn't spend, my sister and I didn't spend much time indoors. Like we were always out doing something. And then, yeah, school was. There's lots of hills there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we were these kids running around barefoot on like gravel roads and, you know, trails and things. And, you know, we didn't have shoes for running cross country. You just ran barefoot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, and then occasionally we'd travel through to Auckland, those of us that were interested in competing and go to some of the um, school's cross country races in Auckland just to get a taste of what it's like to actually run races. So. And see people wearing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember if I wore shoes at those ones either. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. So that must have been a pretty special sort of yeah. lifestyle. Uh, yeah, definitely. A is. very different one to what you're leading now, I imagine, and your oh. children are experiencing. Yeah. So it was when I was in high school age, I did a year homeschooling and at, on the island and I begged my parents to send me to boarding school because I needed something else. So eventually we actually all moved as a family and we lived in Auckland for my last four years of high school. So then I was able to discover team sports and things. And so at high school I did soccer and water polo, canoe polo, duathlon, um, athletics, cross country. Like I just, I was there for the sports. Soak it up. I wasn't there for the academics. (laughs) So, yeah. All those opportunities. Yeah. 
And you had such a base, didn't you? You had a really active yeah. base. And, of course, that's really good as far as, you know, developing the muscles, the tendons, all of that sort of thing, the, yeah. the cardiovascular, I guess it is really. Yeah. So that you were ready for all of this, even though you may not have you know, touched the football, for example. Yeah. You, your body was ready for, yeah. for those I was new challenges. always one of the fittest. I went to a very large high school, you know, one of the largest in the country at the time, and I was always coming, you know, first, second in school cross countries and athletics, and that was very little effort, but it's because I think of my background of, yeah. you know, not having all the little luxuries that city kids had. Yeah. We were always out and about, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What were the most powerful lessons and learnings from this traumatic experience for you? You know, the adjustments and adaptations you had to make. I guess learning to listen to my body and my health more um, and actually rest when I needed rest, learning to say no to people because I am a bit of a people pleaser. So, yeah, learning to say no and put myself first a little bit. But then something else that has come out of that as well is I actually like myself better as a person now. I've become a lot more understanding, a lot more mindful of others I feel like I'm a lot more compassionate and caring because of my experience. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'd give anything to be able to just do all those activities again, but only if I could have the person that I am now as well. So and you can't have everything. <laughs> so I'd rather be the person I am now and give up activities. So, yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I went through cancer some years ago and it gave me a whole new appreciation of yeah. Can't take anything for granted, really. No, and you can't judge people. Like brain injury, which I have, is a hidden illness. Mm. So it's often thought that, oh, you look fine, you sound fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm quite good at hiding it as well. Exactly. <laughs> you get to that point yeah. and, yeah, it does give you an appreciation and you're less judgmental of others because you just don't know what other people are actually going through. Mm. And that's why I just, yeah, I'm such a big fan of just being a cheerleader for others now as well, so... Absolutely, because as you said, you don't know how difficult yeah. it's been and just giving a smile, a, you know, a wave, a cheer. Yeah, it can make not, a difference yeah, it and make it's, a difference. it costs you nothing. Speaking of which, how did your recovery lead you to park run? So what was the connection there? Because obviously you are very active previously. Yeah. I didn't know about park run until, so I started in the end of 2017. So it must, I must have learned of it after my accident because that was mid-2017. And I can't actually remember how I heard about parkrun, but I think it was probably through my gym instructor at the time. And so I would have signed up and didn't actually go along until much later. And part of me thinks like I would have loved to have known about parkrun pre-accident, but you know, parkrun is my post-accident life, so, you know, I can't wish for something. Like, I'm I'm grateful that I have it, so, yeah. Oh, cool. So you're now regularly the run director at parkrun. Yeah. What is it about parkrun that appeals? And can you take me through, for any listeners who are not familiar, with what parkrun involves? Yep. First time I turned up, 
I walked it because I wasn't able to run. Mm. So I just walked. Yeah. But I then I learned that you could volunteer. And I was like, oh, well, I can be involved in something and give back to the community. And so I actually started volunteering just, you know, as a tail walker, a marshal, a barcode scanner, and just sort of learning some of those things. And occasionally I'd walk still as well. But, yeah, I got really into the volunteering. And I could see that Parkrun was a community. And the more I went, the more I got hooked. I took a break for a couple of years, though, and it's probably only been the last probably yeah, two years since I've got post-COVID that I've really got back into it. And, yeah, it's just opened up my eyes more and more about how much of a community is, how everybody is welcome. There's something for everybody there, whether it's volunteering, participating, like running, or just being a cheerleader there. It doesn't matter what you do. You are part of this big community, and it doesn't matter what your backstory is. And I just love being there to just cheer people on. So, you know, I don't run very often at Parkrun. I spend much of my time volunteering, and that just gives me so much joy because I think post-accident when I was first going through um, sort of my recovery plan, I was volunteering at St John, the retail stores there and in the office, and I really enjoyed volunteering. But then as I got to the point where I was told that I was well enough and no longer able to, you know, be supported financially, you know, I still wanted to volunteer. And so, yeah, Parkrun became my big commitment. And when I met my partner and, you know, his, his sons and my stepson, I was, and they both enjoy running, I was like, right, this is it. We're really committing to this. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So it becomes a family affair. Yeah, it's a family thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be just me. And so now they're both volunteering too. And like the stepson, he's great at running, doesn't enjoy it. So he loves to volunteer. So we get him oh, volunteering when we have him on a Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, and my partner, he likes to run. So he runs, but does one of the volunteer roles that he can do with running as well. There's something for all three of us. We're all at different levels. We all have different yeah. enjoyments, but there's something for all of us. And that goes for the entire community. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I've often found is you can actually, if you're a fast runner, like my son, for example, yeah. He can run, finish, and then he really likes doing the barcode sorting. Yeah, that's what my partner does. So he yeah. can he can finish, and as he's basically cooling down, he can be moving around doing the barcode yeah. sorting because the majority of, of runners and walkers obviously haven't finished at that yeah. stage. So it's an opportunity to do yeah, both. Yeah, there's something for everybody. You can do yeah. both. You can do one, the other. It doesn't matter. Mm. And yeah, and everyone's welcome. And there's... You never say no to a volunteer. There's always roles to be had. I mean, you can have a hundred marshals out on course if you want, because mm. they're just che- they're cheerleaders. Yeah, and that's one. Yeah, I love doing that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do too. So tell me a little bit more about parkrun itself. So for anyone who hasn't tried, yeah, and there's probably a lot of people out there who do run who probably aren't aware of it. What is it? So parkrun is a weekly five kilometer timed run or walk that's available to the community it is free for everyone forever there is no cost you just sign up on the website you get a barcode and that barcode is your number it also records your stats so as you go forward with your volunteering running it records all your history of your times or just how many times you volunteered what roles you've done it in so yeah every saturday morning all around the world there are park runs just, there's, I don't know how many there are. There's hundreds. We've got 
oh, how many in New Zealand now? I think it's 30-odd, and there's a bunch of prospective ones there as well that people are looking at setting up. We have four in Canterbury now. So we've got Hagley Park, Broad Park, which is out in New Brighton. We've got Pegasus and then Foster Park out in Rolleston. Yeah, so you're getting people of all walks of life and ages turning up and having what I call a stroll or a run or just a plod in the park. Mm -hmm. 5Ks, 8 o'clock every Saturday morning. And, you know, if that's just your exercise for the week, it's you know, you've done it by 9 o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. Done. Go and have a coffee yeah, or have so, breakfast or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so then there's the social aspect afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. So some people just turn up for the cafe aspect of it because a lot of people just, <laughs> you know, after the, they've had their run, they go for their social hour at the cafe and yeah. then you're off home again. And yeah, catch up with friends. Yeah, mm. So and you make new friends through it as well. Mm. You meet others that you might not have otherwise met. So, mm-hmm. Can you share what it is about volunteering that gives you energy? Yeah, I really thrive on seeing others achieve their goals and just enjoy doing what they're doing. And so when you're running or walking at Parkrun, you don't necessarily see that, but as a volunteer and particularly as a run director, you see everything. And I really enjoy just like walking around the crowd and sneakily just taking little videos as I'm walking around and you see the special moments of like a mother hugging a son, like, you know, he's finally managed to get the whole 5Ks done or he's done his personal best time and just, yeah, things like that. One of my good friends recently, I met her through Hash House Harriers because that's something else I used to do post-accident. And she used to walk for the first portion of it, which might be a kilometre or two, and then she'd get in the car. And that was it. I got her coming to Parkrun this year, and she is now jogging the five kilometres. And she'd never done that before. And I'm so incredibly proud of her. And she's proud of herself, which I love seeing. She's always near the back of the pack, but it doesn't matter Mm. because she has achieved something new. And if she can't come to Parkrun now, she goes and does five kilometres or, you know, walks up a hill or something on a Saturday, which is just, it's amazing how she's made that one little change. And I know that volunteers have helped her through that. The marshals and the tail walker have been there for her, who cheered her on, because that's all it takes is just being cheered Mm. on. So Exactly. Yeah, so that's what, like, volunteering just touches my heart. (laughs) And having been a marshal out on the course... It's a privilege in many ways, I think, yeah. actually. It's a great opportunity to uh, to engage in people. A lot of it's really helpful, isn't it? It is, yeah. and it is a chance to give back. Like, mm. you know, especially if you are somebody that runs a lot, like, it's nice to be able to, you know, you might not want to volunteer at these bigger events because you want to participate in them, mm. but you can volunteer at Parkrun, and it gives just as much to the runners as what it would, you know, you getting from bigger events that you yeah. might attend. So. And it requires very little organising, doesn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. You don't have to go far, you don't have to no. have special training or something no, like that. No, no. Every volunteer role you can be trained on the spot in a couple of minutes. Yeah. So. Okay. So you mentioned about volunteers. Yeah. About helping to make sure it's a really positive experience for volunteers. And I imagine they understand the value that they bring to the runners as well. You know, yes. this, I'm just not wasting my time out here. This is actually of some purpose yeah. to the event, I suppose. Yeah. When you're preparing the runners to run, 
what would you be doing there? You're letting them know if there's any hazards on the course. Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, you're welcoming them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give them a big welcome. Um, we're celebrating milestones. Mm-hmm. So if a runner, first milestone for your juniors is 10 runs or 10 volunteers. Yeah. Um, and then the next step is 25, 50, 100, so forth. It goes up. Um, and so we're calling those out and celebrating those. Like it, That's an achievement to, you know, get to not only one park run, but to get to, say, 10 or 25. We're also making sure that for the runners, we're acknowledging the volunteers so that, you know, the runners, hopefully, if they're running past the marshal, saying thank you, because that makes it a positive experience for the volunteers as well. Yeah, letting them know if there's any course hazards, because somebody's been, somebody's volunteered to go out and check that already and report back to the run director. Yeah, and then it's usually keep it fairly brief if there's any notices that are important for the community just you know about sharing the path because it isn't a public park and or you know recently we had a beloved park runner pass away so we let everybody know about that and you know had a minute silence for him um things like that and then it's you know off you go enjoy your run Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are very few rules Mm -hmm. any rules that are there are just purely safety ones like if you are pushing a pram it's one pram not two you know one dog not two dogs Mm. because dogs are welcome at park run on a short handheld leash yeah so yeah it's just more sort of health and safety type rules but and just being mindful of others Mm. only race that it is is against yourself you're not racing others. I mean, you're going to get some of the fast, you know, young guns at the front, probably yeah. like your son. That you know, that they're, they're racing because they race each other at other events as well. Mm-hmm. But for the majority of the pack, I think the average finish time for park runners these days is around the 32 minute mark, okay. which is you know, it's not exactly a fast 5k. <laughs> that's mm. sort of around my time, so I'm in the average. But that's the bulk of people now. So most people are there for a leisurely sort of jog they're not there to race and that Mm. yeah it's not a race it might be timed but it is not a race yeah and it is run by volunteers so you know if your time isn't quite what you thought it would be on your stats when the results come through you've got to remember that it's run by volunteers and it's a free event and just come back next week (laughs) try it again (laughs) yeah yeah use your watch yeah use your watch (laughs) (laughs) okay can you tell me about monster onesies and why so many people were wearing them recently? <laughs> yes. So do you know what I need to do? I need to set up a onesie day at Parkrun. Onesie day. <laughs> so <clears throat> I found out that I was run directing on the event number 411 and I was like, Perfect. I'll see if I can rope in volunteers to do it and we'll do it as a surprise. So I coordinated an entire group of volunteers behind the scenes. I let the other run directors know and our volunteer coordinator know what I was up to. I then scoured as many op shops as I could to find as many onesies as I could because I knew people would only be interested if they had less effort to go to. But I had about 12 onesies, I think, that I basically lent out to everybody. Mm -hmm. Some ended up buying them off me. And yeah, we had an entire crew of volunteer animals on event 411 onesie day. It was more about just making people laugh, but it was more about bringing smiles to faces and just having a little bit of a laugh. Mm. And yeah, so, and I think I achieved that. 
You mentioned earlier that running can be a real challenge because of how you feel after it yep. and probably during it, that you need to rest for a long time and recover for uh, at least 24 hours uh, from a park run. Given that, I was amazed to see that you completed the Crater Rim Ultra 22K last year. Yeah. How did you do it? <laughs> well, obviously I don't get a lot of training in because mm. of how it makes me feel. Exactly. So the Crater Rim Half was the event that I had signed up for as my first big race when I was training for my full marathon. And when I had my accident, I had to pull out of that. So I actually gifted my entry to a friend and she ran it and absolutely smashed it. So I went down and supported her instead at that event. That that was heart-wrenching for me that I had to give that up. And then four years on, I entered again. I was like, I'm ready. And COVID cancelled it. So oh, it was no. five years on. I finally got that full circle that I got to go and do it. I wasn't wasn't fit enough. I know I wasn't fit enough. But I knew that I could complete it. I had walked a couple of halves in the Cook Islands um, previously and – I know they're flat, but it's 90% humidity, it's hot. So I was ex- expecting it to be tough. I was definitely at the back of the pack and I was covered in blisters and, you know, I had my back had seized, my neck seized. Around the 16K mark, where oh, all, wow. all went to rubbish for me. I came over that line and was ready to burst into tears, but I achieved it and that was the main thing for me is just getting across that line. This year, I'm entering the 10. <laughs> I think I need to work my way up to those. I shouldn't be biting off more than I can chew. Yeah, and the recovery time yeah, just takes too long, so I need yeah. to just start a bit smaller. I'm ambitious, though. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. Challenging goals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. Thank you. I'm, I'm giving the other. And it's obviously valuable learnings. Yeah. I'll make oh. it slightly shorter next time. <laughs> oh, I learned so much on that that crater room that I put into plan, you know, and singing little songs and just keeping it positive and smiling and, you know, taking video diaries along the way to, as A, a reminder of why I shouldn't be doing this, <laughs> but B, also like just to let people know that it's not always sunshine when you're out like doing yeah. one of these races. That it is tough. Yeah. And, and I work really hard on my mental health through those and that's what gets me through them. Mm-hmm. Like my body's a wreck by the end. But my brain's great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you need that sort of positivity, yeah. don't you? Yeah. We now have a quick fire round, Maria. Okay. I'm going to change it. Normally it's about running stuff that focuses just on you. Yeah. But I'm going to make this one about Hagley Park Run. Here we go. So what's the record number of people who have run the Hagley Park Run? And it happened this year, I Yeah, believe. it was about five... 73 or something like that. I think you're right. Yep, you're right. 573. <laughs> Hagley Park Run has the New Zealand record, I think, yes. for attendance. Yep. So the 573 was the day the Speed Freaks did their volunteer takeover, which was pretty epic. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to Speed Freaks. Yeah, we love the Speed Freaks. Which volunteering position do you prefer? Tail walker, barcode sorter, marshal, timekeeper, or run director? <laughs> oh, I'm going to take run director off the table because I love run directing, but I think All that's right. different to the rest of them. You've still got four so options. So 
Marshall because I get to cheer people on and be at that halfway point and give them that extra boost as they go around that first K and then coming down for their last K. So, sure. Yeah. That's a great position to be in, actually. Yeah. Okay. This might be a bit more challenging for you. Typically, about how quick is the fastest or first runner in? Probably around the 17-minute mark, unless we've got the real speedsters there and then you're looking around 14, 15 minutes. But typically, on average, you're probably about 17, 18 minutes for the fastest okay. runner. And usually about the time where the last walker or jogger comes in? Um, it can be anywhere between sort of 50 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not talking about a long event, really, no, when you think about no, it. No, and you're looking at just over an hour max yep. by the time you set, set up, take down and all mm-hmm. the rest. So, yeah. What's the most memorable park run for you and briefly why? My memory's not so good, you've got to remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a brain injury. Um, I really have to probably go with the Speed Freaks one. It was so nice to see them all giving back to us like to as a community and seeing them all there and the smiles on their faces and I just I really love being involved with that and Lisa Yee and I made hundreds of cookies and decorated them in their blue shirt color and uh, you know for the volunteers and I really enjoyed seeing how happy it made them do that so that's probably one of my favorites in the the last 12 months anyway fantastic yeah Maria It's been fascinating and insightful. Thanks so much for sharing your running journey with us today. Thank you for having me.